When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Alright folks, hope you're, uh, you're all doing okay, keeping safe, keeping well. Amidst these rather strange and trying times, podcast you're about to listen to is a little bit different from ones we've put out before. I guess the inspiration, if that's the right word for it, came from me checking out quite a lot of interviews with one of my favourite artists, Elliot Smith. Interviews from the 90s which were mostly kind of audio recordings similar to these done in the field, done beside roads and cafes and pubs with background noise, very lo-fi but they kind of possessed a really nice intimate quality about them and I remember that I had quite a few of these kind of stacked up from last year when I was doing the zine and as much as I'm I'm very thankful to everyone who bought the zine there wasn't a lot of people let's say who who got to read those conversations and read those articles um so I thought it might be nice to stick them out as a kind of podcast, completely unedited, just going from conversation to conversation. You got a lot of nice background noise, lo-fi recordings. They're intimate, but they're just I just quite like them as interviews, quite a few of these. They're all about fifteen minutes each, I think, in length. They're just short. So the conversations ahead of you are with Drenge, Charlie Cunningham, King Nun, Larkins, Weekend Dead, Dancing on Tables, and Only the Poets are all taken from last year. And the first one's in April with Dancing on Tables, and the last one was with Weekend Debt just before Christmas time. They're all from that kind of around that area. Weekend, no, Weekend Debt must have been end of November, around about then. It might not be for everyone, but I think there'll, there'll be a few things in there maybe people will enjoy. They're just kind of a few unheard interviews, I suppose. In terms of other podcasts that are coming up, I've got, I mentioned the last one, we're working on this big one that's kind of speaking to people from various areas of the industry and kind of getting the load on how COVID has gone on to affect them. Uh, so that should be coming soon, it's shaping up really nicely, it's a really interesting podcast, it's going to be five separate interviews, similar to this one actually, all going out as the one big podcast, probably a couple hours long, about a half hour each, and I mean there's five of them, so yeah, probably pushing three hours with that one, uh, and then I've got another podcast coming out after that, it's a bit different as well, Um, 
I kind of said last, I don't really want to milk the whole podcast thing too much of a lockdown with it not being able to do it properly, but it is fun to kind of play with the format a wee bit like I'm doing today and next week and the week after and kind of try out a few different things. But yeah, cheers always for listening, folks, and hope you enjoy. So this is conversation number one with Drend from 12th of October 2019. Yes, I did actually start off by talking about the touch show mm-hmm. that I saw you at back in March. Because you did this really cool thing with the lighting where it was like you looked like you were in black and white on the stage. It was like a black and white film. What? But yeah, maybe. <laughs> no, we did, show, yeah. We'd actually, we'd hired some lights in from Manchester or something that our lighting guy was like really into and we always talked to him about like the show but um, I guess because we've got loads of other things to focus on he sort he probably doesn't get a great answer out of us about anything so we, we, we were like yeah we'll have these cool big like old school massive heavy filament bulb lamps which look amazing they're very heavy and like very um, like expensive to run and uh, we couldn't fit them in the venue they like they wouldn't go down the stairs obviously like you can't load them in so Naji our, our lighting guy was like uh, alright I guess I'll just I think we got a couple on actually but we didn't have we the had full lot stuff. but he was it, like we just told him to like make it look like the person that's doing the lights doesn't know what they're doing which and is an easy get out for him. He did that really, really. <laughs> nice. he did, no, he's, he's he's super talented. He's, he's got really good. he's got different. He, he works in a venue in Manchester. He's got like gigs every day of the week. He's super on top of it. But like, yeah, yeah, we like. It's nice working with someone who's like creative in their field. It's not like light it like a rock show or like make us look like the Spice Girls or whatever. It's like he really um he really thinks about it in a creative way that's going to complement the music. Mm. And that in Brotherhood's about that. I guess how is the live show? kind of changed over the last nine years since the first album up to, up to this one how is it kind of it's weird how like it's weird how much we've kind of rallied against doing anything professional or um, normal and yet how how far we are down that down that line in terms of like uh, on that on specifically like at the touch show we've kind of like we've stripped stuff back for tonight's show and for some of our more recent stuff where we just kind of rock up and play but um, using like uh, like at the height of like touring this campaign, <clears throat> two synthesizers, a, a sampler keyboard, um, a sample a sample pad, um, another sample system, loads of different amplifiers, like two sets of microphones. Just like as far as the channel list goes, like it was it was like it was mm. like really stretching the desk. Whereas like I, I think our sound guy said when we played Tuts. Last time we came here, we only used three, three lines on the on the mixing desk because that was all that that was all that there was left for us to play with. Basically, it was, um, yeah. So it's got super super professional, and pretty uh, pretty show busy, pretty um, slowly. I can't remember if you'd done them last time as well, but the full harmonic shows that you did, that kind of came out of the album. How did they go? What was the kind of setup for that like? We wanted to go and do some smaller shows in record shops because they're always fun to do and like meeting everyone is is a lot of fun but we couldn't obviously bring the full expansive experience of the new album sound to a little record shop and neither 
where we are we particularly good at just doing an acoustic guitar so we we spent a bit of time coming up with something in between those two things and tried to have a little bit of fun with it and um and i i ended up playing bass and owen was sort of singing along to a backing track as well i think it went pretty well it's it was pretty it was a different way of working to what we'd done before obviously like a million miles away but um i think the songs translated nicely into these weird things some people weren't into it and some people were really into it and um it we, did the did the job we've got quite a liberal attitude to what our band is and what it can be but um but and we tend to like lose a grasp of the fact that like what our band is to most people is two records of like rock music up until Strange Creatures came out, and still, that is like a rock record. It's not like it's not like anything's changed that much. But um, I think, like, we think it's more okay to take the pace than people who might just like there's like you know like come across people who listen to our stuff and they just like get it at face value. There's people that like want me to fight them in the street because like because of the violence of the lyrics on the first and second record. Like they're like so like. Yeah, this is like this is what it is to me, and this is what it means, and and there's nothing wrong with that. But also, like I think at the moment that our band is a hip hop project, and I'm and I'm like completely like legitimate in thinking that that's what it is. But like if I if if I ever released anything like that, it would upset everyone. So we just need to temper our attitudes, basically, and just just be a normal normal rock and roll band, don't we? Hmm. I don't know. <laughs> little column A, little column B. Yeah. In, so in terms of like, the recording process for the three albums, you have support with Ross Orton mm. on each one. Has it been a similar recording process for each one, or has it differed on each album? Um, first one was done over a couple of years, very like short, short bursts of recording. The first, the first four songs on the first record are the first four songs that we ever recorded in a studio, like you know, like setting up the drums and setting up the amplifiers, not just like going into a room and playing into microphones, but like first time that we'd ever recorded anything. <clears throat> and it's weird, it's weird how that record holds together despite being recorded over 18 months. The second record was recorded in four months. It's like, for, for me, I'd written bass parts to the songs that were written for like guitar and drums. And there was nothing else really added, just like, maybe like secondary guitar parts and stuff and then on strange creatures it was like we're gonna do we're gonna like have these synth sounds we're gonna have these electronic drum sounds we're gonna have um these kit sounds and we just like like bits of piano like mm. different vocal harmonies and we just like we went for something that was a bit too like looking back on it probably just like a bit too like um like a bit too like much like we should have just like maybe just kind of stepped it back a bit and just gone like no what 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 is it about what what are the songs about and what's what's it easy to achieve with but but at the same time if we hadn't done that we wouldn't like because like the band's always been something that's based on limitation so it's just like originally it's just like vocals guitars drums like that's all that it is and then mm. like and then it's like oh we're gonna like add another, another instrument and then for the third record it's like we can do anything we want there's, there's something that was really great about that as as a musician, as an artist. It was very liberating, but also 
in terms of like looking back on it now it's been out for seven months and now I can kind of like see it in the rearview mirror and it's like you're just trying to do too much like you just haven't you haven't like properly sat down and gone like you know what you want it to be from the off which is which is uh it's nice it's nice to have that it's nice to like have like closure on something and not be like is it good is it good is it good like it like i know what it is now it is good it means a lot to me but it means a lot to me in a way that it won't mean a lot to the people that like our band yeah and for this album with the process we it was a lot of stuff start again going into the studio more, just more of a scheduling thing rather than a, if we'd had all the studio time like like that we had on the last record where we had like a block of four months to go and record mm. it would have been smoother but with this it was like it's like uh, you've got like two weeks and then like Ross is working with this band and and we just weren't the priority which is fine because like Ross has got to make money Ross has got to like record other bands and we don't we, we don't have like an unlimited recording budget to like yeah like we'll book you out like you know like people people have other jobs we're not we're not we, we are only like our priority so it was um it's fine it's just a, it's just a bit it's like you'd go in and you'd be alienated from something that you've been working on uh, mm. two months prior and and in that way like it's difficult to like you weren't in the mood that you were in two months ago something's something's changed mm. so, so we were going back and and coming at it from a different perspective each time we go back in which massively affected it um, we probably did I don't know three or four different versions at least of some songs on the album some not so much but yeah it was a it's just it's a strange process I don't think we really want to repeat didn't have where any advantages came from it like having that distance to look at the songs or like, not really. You just want to like. I think. I think like key and anything that we do like this is just like keep it simple. Don't make it too complicated for yourself and don't overthink it. I think. I think that you know, like, like it's just a sign of a band that, that isn't really you know prepared to like go in and do a record in in two weeks. We've just been we've just been touring kind of like continuously for four years and didn't really know what like being in a studio or like how to write songs anymore. So just like. Road tired is the uh, is the word. Road road worn. Mm. <laughs> so, I mean, like from the get go of the striker with Bonfire, the City Boys, and that's not always snacks in your face. It's galvanising. It gets you straight into it, introduces you to everything. At what point did it become the opener? Was it always the opener? Did it always sound like? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. I think. Um, I mean, like it, like it, like the first line. It started with a bang. It's just like. Like you want to like, not that I've ever really thought about anything like this prior. Um, and the first, the first two albums aren't like this, but like, I've noticed that like if you start your record with like a, with a line, that insinuates something. It was like it was interesting. We put it, we put it out there. The record starts with that tune. It starts with a bang. The lyric is it starts with a bang. There's no denying what that song is. It was kind of. It was kind of interesting seeing how it got picked up, like when people reviewed it, like it starts with a bang, you know, like like you you can kind of like write you can write like a record review within the record if you just like sprinkle the the clues in there. We just need to finish with a bang. <laughs> <laughs> it is it's a perfect one in line. Yeah. 
<laughs> and throughout the album as well, you have these almost in some cases whole songs, but like references scattered to like years gone by, mostly teenage years. Was that a conscious choice to have those references scattered in there, or was that something that naturally it wasn't deliberate? Teenage years, yeah, may, yeah, maybe, maybe, uh, like prom night and teenage love and and. Um, why not them too? Yeah, yeah, possibly. No, not like being someone that like writes songs and just are like, this is the this is the song. When it comes to lyrics, it's always like nicer to kind of just like link stuff with loose looser references and kind of rely on other people to make themselves think that I'm way more intelligent a songwriter than than I actually am. You just it's like crossword like a cryptic crossword or something you just kind of pretend that the idea is greater than than what it is and you can both laugh at that one <laughs> that was a, that was huh. <laughs> no no is it in terms of like genuinely not that intelligent but if you just like sprinkle the shit in there people think that you're cleverer than you are right so we've been getting away with it for years you've just given the secret away so. I've been t- I've been telling people about it for years. I just haven't like <laughs> I just haven't picked up on it. And with prom night as well, like that one that's something really fascinating because it's like a linear st- a linear story, but with the way it's told. Yeah. And each yeah. verse is just simple about the next chapter. Right. Yeah. It. Did that have a different writing process to the other songs in the album? If it's written a way like that, like you couldn't swap a verse around in the way, or it wouldn't work. It's so linear on its, its structure. Um. Well, no, it's just like it is genuinely the first song that I've managed to write that has a linear structure to it. Like, like when I, when when it comes to the lyric writing process, it's just like mad imagery, mad imagery, mad imagery. Whereas with that, it was like it had like a story, like the title. Like, I want to write a song about this. This is what the title is going to be like. And then, and then, and then there's a straight. It's it's like the the final scene of Carrie. It's just like it's just like write that down, but set it. Uh, um, Baldwin's Amiga. It reminds me of Stephen King. That was the kind of right, yeah, the vibe yeah. I got from it. Yeah. But I've never read any Stephen King, so. So, to well shame, done. Almost. <laughs> <laughs> How did you do it? I've, I've watched Carrie. <laughs> I've watched a lot of Stephen King. I haven't read any of it. Right. You know what's coming out of the bubble at the end? The end of the song. I don't know. Yes. The more I think about it, the more I think about it, the less I, the less I'm kind of pleased with the song. So it's oh. better that it's better. Like, like actually, what was really weird is like doing the vocals for it. It's like the vocal performance, like on its own. Like Rory afterwards was like, that was really good. Because you can't like, you can't hear it. You can't hear it. But it's like, it's like a performance thing where it's just like everything is really shit right now. But you can't hear it because there's like loads of like instruments backing it up. But on its own, it sounds like I've had the worst night of my life. <laughs> I think you probably were, do. Yeah, I don't know if that was after after I lost my car keys. <laughs> and I, I mentioned like teenage years earlier on, we kind of spoke about the references scattered about that. As you've matured and gotten older over the first three albums, has the way that you write songs and has that changed? Yeah. Process? It's not like we're just rushing to get to the chorus and make loads of noise and go crazy. Now well, we're all considered. Oh, you, say, you say that. 
That's exactly what the first song on our new record is. It's the, like, it's yeah. exactly that. There's one song that does it, whereas <laughs> we they did like an entire album. Yeah, yeah. We, now we're, you know, all considered and trying to come up with choruses and doing funny chord changes and be clever with it all. I, I guess, obviously, your taste change, but um, yeah, we, Owen's gotten more into songwriting craft and because we've added more instruments in the studio it's not like we feel like for me I don't, I'm not trying to fill loads of space with the drums anymore and I'm not you know we're not being like let's put loads of distortion on or whatever because there's more instruments on there and they all need their own space to sit in the mix so you can't just be playing everything at full whack I mean you can but it 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 wouldn't it wouldn't work for us. So I'm, I'm, I'm like sitting back and we're adding little bits and be like, why don't we chuck some organ on here? And that's how the songs evolve. It's a, it's a far more subtler and maybe more difficult and uh, fairer process. But yeah, maybe we'll go I'm back. I've really been studying my craft though. I've just, I've just decided to write some songs to see if I could. Because we haven't written, written any songs. Yeah. We've just written. No, you've gotten, in, you've gotten into classic songwriters, though. Whereas before you weren't bothered about Springsteen and Dylan and all them. And now you're there. Yeah, like, maybe. But I'm not into them anymore. I'm into. Oh, well, we've moved. So we'll probably go back to. You can expect just r running as. You know, like head first into the chorus, loads of noise for the yeah, next yeah, album. Yeah, yeah. Spill it all, yeah. <laughs> Don't print that. Can I like just asking about how you've changed the songwriters over the years? Is it? I mean, was it six years since the first song? Was it twenty thirteen? Yeah. Twenty twelve. Yeah. Six years. But six years. I guess I guess the, I guess some of those songs are ten years old. Yeah, I guess they started. Um, so yeah. How has yeah. the music industry changed over that? The music industry is incredibly weird. In fact, the world is incredibly weird. I watched an episode of Top Boy recently, and Top Boy, the first series from 2011, it's only eight years ago. It seems like it seems like a completely different planet. Like the world, the world has just changed so much in the mm. past decade. It's just weird, and and having like having like I guess. Um, Grow, like grown up and like had like a, <laughs> had a who was that <laughs> Taylor Swift the <laughs> world uh, yeah no uh, like the world the world has changed the music industry it's all online it's all streaming, streaming wasn't all the social media thing when we started and Shazam wasn't a thing and the charts were more important than they are now and you know like there was it wasn't it's gotten more, I don't know if democratic's the right word, but people can go and find what they want, whatever, and it doesn't matter, and you can get touring bands who are yeah, huge, but you'll never hear no them on the radio. One, no one does, because it's all, it's all like predetermined, predecided. Well, like, that's what they don't want you to think. It's just weird, it's just, and also, you know, like, with the impending B word happening, like, oh God, yeah. Being in a band at the moment it just seems like probably the stupidest decision you could ever make. It's just like, like it must be work. Like I 
saw an article the other day speaking about the difficulties of touring Europe after slash if that happened. That must mm. be a bit worrying, like the yeah. impact it could have upon bands. It would, it would, it would ultimately stop us ever being able to tour in Europe. And yeah. I, like, we're not, we're not a big band. We don't sell out loads of shows in Europe. We have like, a, like mild following in, in, in like on, in Western Europe. Um, it would, yeah, it would stop us. It would stop us playing shows over there. Full stop. We wouldn't, we wouldn't, we can't even afford to do it right now. If you were starting out as a band, it would be a massive ball ache. You just wouldn't do it. Labels will have to stump up so much like support fund for it. Yeah. Already, our friends who are working are getting turned down in favour of people who are European to go and do big European tours instead of like being British. That, yeah. That's something that I don't even want to come into anyone's head at the time of the book. Yeah, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Well, that, not. But it didn't even come into anyone's head about, six months ago. Yeah, like, yeah. like it's such a. It was purely emotional. Like, what like yeah it's very very it's very time. upsetting yeah mm. um sorry Alex. I've got, got like one more yeah that's cool yeah, yeah. it's all good yeah change everybody okay cool sound um yeah we're just what's do you have ideas on what's going to happen next do you know where the next band is going to go uh <laughs> do you know what we're going to talk about it on Monday. <laughs> <laughs> this, this, is, this, is our, this is our last show in the, yeah, in the calendar, so yeah, we're going to sit down on Monday and figure out. Have a, have a tete-a-tete and try and work it out. So we'll save that argument till then, save you the embarrassment of having it printed out on, online. Save us the embarrassment of having to like, try and work out what we're doing right now. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's coming. We would like, we would, there, there is, there is, something of a plan we've learned from our mistakes it's just whether we apply <laughs> anything we've learned yeah but yeah we're, we'd hope we we hope to get working on some new music soon basically this is conversation number two with charlie cunningham from 11th of november 2019 hello testing check yeah it's coming through good question have you been doing a lot of interviews on the tour um a few here and there yeah you have one Probably better doing them in person instead of over the phone. I think so. Yeah, it can be. Yeah, or sometimes it's the email questions. They're the worst ones. Yeah, it takes me fucking <laughs> ages. I ended up just ended up just not doing it because it's like, well, I'm so dyslexic, so I just kind of fuck these things up. But anyway, yeah, face to face is best. I agree. Um, yeah. So I wanted to start off by talking a bit about place because you kind of you've been about about I've been about a lot. You know, you live in quite a lot of places. Mm-hmm. Um. Growing up in Bedfordshire, were you always kind of naturally musically inclined and talented, or was it something you kind of had to work quite hard at? Um, I used to always, I've always loved music and always been like very interested in it. And like I was always watching um, that MTV when I was growing up. It was only MTV and VH1, so I used to watch a lot of that. And uh, but no, I wasn't. I always had. I used to always responded a lot to it, but I was never like musically like really really gifted. On I had quite a good ear, maybe, but I wasn't like. Like, like you know, really instinctively, really good at. It. I've had to work at it quite a lot, but I've always had a good ear for it. I've always been very like kind of emotionally invested in it, whatever. Yeah, you find it quite cathartic in that sense. Absolutely. Yeah, always. Yeah, it's always been the thing that I go back to, you know, 
pretty solid, solid safe thing that I jump back into whenever I can. Yeah. yeah. And then can I go in from like Bedfordshire to London to the other end, back to London again? Mm-hmm. Do you find each place kind of you write differently when you're in each place, and that kind of has yeah. an effect before you are at the time? Yeah, definitely. I think your surroundings play a big part in um in your productivity. Maybe like when I was living in London, it was very fast, pretty fast paced, and um and um and inspiring. You know. For like all those, you know, but fairly unforgiving. But then you go to the countryside, which I like doing quite a lot. And um, yeah, so my, I I kind of prefer writing in a quieter, quieter setting. Really, like when I was in Seville, um, that that worked pretty well. So I got into like a routine, and um, it was it was a much slower pace. But yeah, you've got to find a way. Some some people write on tour, which I kind of try and do. I've come up with guitar bits. I find it hard if I want to dig into like vote to like lyrics and stuff. I usually have to get into a bit of a routine. That's a very long answer for you for that <laughs> question. When you when you said about you went to Seville, when you went there to kind of learn the flamenco and stuff, is that would you say that's kind of like the biggest event or kind of experience you've had that shaped you musically? One hundred percent, I would say so. I'd say I'm not sure if it was the biggest. I suppose you. It was definitely the most signi- yeah significant move that I did. It. I uh, I went over there and really just kind of dug into the into the craft of the guitar properly which I'd never really done to that extent before and yeah I would say so it's pretty significant yeah, yeah. It, it w- obviously speaking of like going over there and kind of learning the guitar back to front really getting into that mm-hmm. at what point did the songwriting begin to evolve past just you and the guitar because obviously on the latest record it's quite mm-hmm. instrumentally diverse and there's a lot of other stuff on it yeah absolutely I think I always start like the song will always you know I had written a load of songs before I went to to Seville, and um, I wasn't, and I, and I didn't, and I kind of did the structure and everything like that, worked, and but then I didn't touch them for like a couple of years while I, whilst I was away, and then I came back and applied that kind of playing to these songs, like one of them lights off I'd written years and years and years ago, and um, it was not until I kind of got that te- that way of playing where oh, that song really came to life and. But I always do start, you know, th- they develop at the same time. You come up with the simplest version of the, the thing first, and that usually I try and get the melody working with that, you know, to some degree. And then both the guitar and the vocal and the melody kind of fine tune as the process goes on. You know yeah. what I mean? And the other thing that, that, that shines through as well is how, you know, the kind of emotionally intimate quality of it and how personal the music is. Mm-hmm. That shines through a lot on recorded. How do you make sure that still happens live when you're in a room with playing for hundreds of people? Yeah, it's still an intimate experience. Yeah, well, that's the challenge, I'd say. Yeah, that's the kind of challenge. You've got to try and create that thing, you know, and it's just as hard to do that um, on the record as it is live, really. But you're just trying, you try and build the set the right way and you try and make sure it's a little bit of a journey and try and pull people in. And well, that's the challenge, really. But yeah, yeah. getting there with it. That's that's something else that kind of lends its quality when you do go back to the more stripped back stuff and there's some of that when you're on as well it's mm-hmm. not just you and guitar and maybe mm-hmm. a little bit of percussion or something yeah what other advantages do you think come from just stripping it right back just for you stripping it right back and um, yeah well the you I mean I used to do it for my first album I was like mainly it was mainly about the guitar like you say guitar and the voice and, that's, and I think it just means you if you have less variables maybe you can spend more time on the detail of those you know, if I'm just just knowing it's going to be guitar, then I'll really make sure that I try and cover all of that dynamic range or harmonic kind of range or whatever in that bit. So it means you, yeah, and you, yeah, and the the advantage of um, um, 
I don't know really if I should do that, but something like that, you know, less variables make it you can get there easily you just fuck fine-tune what you're doing a little bit more but then later if you open it up musically then you can have various instrumentation doing certain things and you can think about things in different ways but i think it's i always start the song even on the new album started all the songs on the guitar first acoustic guitar and you know and then built it up how long was the writing process from the album like from like the when you first started writing? i reckon i started doing some of them were there's definitely some stuff um, on there that I'd had even around the same time as doing lines, but um, I think getting, I think this was time took a little bit longer than lines took to actually make it because it was touring a lot as well. So I was kind of doing writing and touring, and play, so it was probably probably a good year and a half, I'd say, maybe. And again, with the music being so personal, is it ever difficult putting that into a record? Because you kind of you open yourself up quite a lot. Yeah. Kind of laid bare. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's what you get. That's what it took me a long time to get over, really. I mean, that's probably took what took me a long time to start doing music in the first place was how exposed kind of you, ha you end up being, like, and if you are going to sing. Um, and they have to be kind of honest stuff, and that's quite a step. So, um, yeah, you just got to, you're either going to do it or you or you don't, really, you know. So I just kind of went for it. <laughs> yeah. But it's, it's something, you know, and then if it's received well, it feels like pretty, pretty sublime feeling, you know. If you if it can be personal to someone else as well, that's pretty special. Yeah, when it resonates with mm. two people resonating. With yeah, it's pretty amazing. Yeah, I don't stuff. take that unlikely by any means. No. Yeah. And when you mentioned earlier how you start from a guitar with a song, mm -hmm. do you have like a home demoing process that you do, or kind of like I had an eight uh, like an eight track for a while um, um, that I just yeah just plug a mic in and you know just get. But what I usually do is I'll take the tunes, I'll get things to like eighty percent there or something like that, and then I'll go and demo them and record them like loosely. I'll just go around to Sam's, who's on the who plays with me, and he's also I made the last record with. I'll go around and we'll just put down where I'm at, and then I'll take it away and sit with it for a bit. And sometimes it does help things to to hear it recorded and to know you know straight away what you like and what you don't like. Whereas if it's just coming out, you're not really having that kind of chance to think about it as much subjectively or objectively whichever word it is subjective <laughs> <laughs> what's the the kind of ratio like between tracks that make it and tracks that don't do you write quite a lot or I don't do loads and loads I hear lots of people they write loads and loads of tracks and then they choose the best ten or whatever but I tend to um, I usually only probably maybe one or two that I might abandon like two thirds if I'm like if stuff just isn't feeling quite right or it's not necessary on the record I'll, I'll probably abandon it and maybe come back back later but I usually kind of all happens at the same kind of time you know and um, I make sure the songs kind of work by the time I'm finished with them do you know what I mean so I'm not very good at chucking loads and loads and loads of stuff down so oh sorry yeah no go on uh, so do the songs change quite a lot over the they can do they can change quite a bit often they do yeah completely or they'll change and then I realise that the change was wrong and then I go back to the beginning but I think it's being open letting letting stuff evolve trying stuff out but also being fairly um, uh, ruthless if you feel like it's not working don't labour over it too much if it's not not doing the thing are those things that you've you've learned over time with the songwriting process yeah, yeah. definitely yeah yeah for sure uh, sometimes you start off thinking first thought is best thought and all that stuff which is often the case but no, some yeah, you've got to know yourself really, know what you're what you're trying to do, know what resonates with you, you know, if you believe it and you feel like it's working, sort of trust your instincts, you know, and if it's 
same way it feels like it just really is in, in Sutton's seats there, don't labour over it. Yeah. Yeah. At what point did you kind of find your voice and realise what you were wanting to do in music? I think by the time I'd done, done my first few EPs, I think I was trying to work it out through that, work out exactly what it was that I was doing. And over that process, and by the time I got into doing lines, I felt pretty sure about what it was that I was trying to do. And yeah. Yeah. And obviously with the first record, you got quite a positive reception. Mm -hmm. Did that impact the way you thought about the second record and the way you approached that? It was certainly, it took a load off. Like I think people talk about the second album being, album being the big pressure album, but I was like, debut album, surely it's the one that, you know, for me was, um, you know, meant meant a lot. And that, that being received really, really well was um, kind of made me, took the pressure off myself a little bit and, and meant I could just, yeah, it was nice. It was a nice, it was a nice situation to be in, I must say. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. The second one as well, it's tonally kind of a little bit, darker in some mm -hmm. places mm. was that quite a conscious decision or mm. yeah yeah to try and uh, yeah I like a lot of darker kind of music and all sorts of stuff and I think you know you've got to have all the cliches like light and shade and stuff like that and then I think the first album was very much a kind of aesthetic kind of thought that kind of carried across most of the record whereas this one I wanted to if you're going to use it different instrumentation you have lots more options as far as atmospherics and stuff like that and yeah, I wanted to go to some darker places for sure on this one. Yeah, I'm interested in that stuff. And with part of it being, or most of it rather, being recorded in London, and then a bit of it, you went over to LA for a bit. Yeah. What was kind of behind the decision there, and what effect did that have on the wider process? Um, the decision there was there's basically a chap called um, uh, Roddy McDonald, who's a great pr producer who's worked on some really interesting stuff, um, like um, King Cruel and Savages and Sampho and all these kind of really interesting kind of um different artists and he was interested in doing stuff and he just moved over to LA and said would I be up for going and working over them on a few tunes for for a couple of weeks and I was and uh, I was on a label who were up for me doing that so it's important to try these things and yeah and we we had a, a call um, a couple of weeks over there but then then I got back to London and working in an environment I'm some more more bit more familiar with and had more time on my side and but it was nice getting the contrast you know you know, I think it was beneficial. It's good to mix things up a little bit, yeah. try stuff out. Was the contrast? Whereas I was actually speaking to someone the other day about the album and saying it kind of sounds like a winter album. Mm. It's kind of got that quality. Love it when people say <laughs> that. Yeah. Was it weird then going over to LA and the beautiful sunshine? The it was a bit. I must say, you, it was a bit like that. But to be honest, we spent so much time in the studio. That I wasn't actually outside too much. But yeah, it does feel like a winter album. I'm glad um, whoever it was said that. Yeah, I feel like that as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. cozy. Well, yeah, and you know, London's gloomy. And, like it is up here, you know, it's a bit darker and it just, you're a bit more, you batten down the hatches a bit and get stuck into it. Yeah, I like it. Yeah. yeah. In, in that sense, what kind of feeling did you want the album most strongly evoke from a listener? Um, I don't know what feeling specifically. I think just a feeling, trying to make sure every single song does evoke something, you know, but um, I wouldn't be able to tell exactly what, but as long as it was something. Do you have like a testing process at all to see if it is like evoking feelings in people are having no, I think if it's doing it for, for me I just have to trust trust that you know I kind of know when it's when it's feeling feeling like it's doing that yeah and you just have to hope it. you can't really do it for other people too much you just have to hope if you're honest with yourself and you're putting truthful um, honest emotion into it then it's going to translate oh, hey buddy am I what needed I'll be there in a few seconds are you there. doing that ne nearly there you doing that are you ready yeah go on then grab a spot please per blogger I made the record with sound, by the way. Oh, right. Okay, nice to meet you, mate. Thank you, mate. Cheers.
I've just got one left actually. Go on then. Um, what do you think is more important in the music you make? Emotional meaning. Emotional meaning. Yeah, that's a good question. Emotion or meaning? Well, if it's got emotion, then it's gonna, then it's got meaning, hasn't it? I suppose you could say that. Um, and if you some some might have a meaning, but might have. I'd say emotion, because that that in that in itself has meaning, doesn't it? That a vague answer, but you know, I think that. Yeah, yeah I'm they're quite connected. Yeah, yeah, they are. Definitely. Yeah. Good questions, man. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. cheers. That was cracking. Yeah, really enjoyed was that. that us? Yeah. That was top notch, man. This is conversation number three with King Nun, also from 12th of October 2019. Ooh. Oh, it's chill. We're getting levels on here. Yeah, looks good. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you, man. Um, yeah, I'll probably just start off then. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so I did want to start off by talking about emotions, because that's something that your music has always kind of exuded greatly hey thanks <laughs> yeah so i wondered yeah. how did your emotions contrast at the start and um at the end of the process of making the album was it quite a big oh difference? my god um yeah well i think i think i guess at the beginning of any project you're just trying to work things out you know and it's sort of like the thing is with this is just like the opportunity to make an album came up and we were just like uh yeah and we didn't really have any idea of what we were going to make which is quite rare for us so it's like um so there so there was like a learning process of what we were actually making and it only really sort of came together sort of what we actually meant by everything in sort of the very end so sort of like we knew that you know there was we could feel kind of what was going on but we didn't know how to describe it until right at the end so i suppose it was just like um so so the process so the our progress throughout was just um you know learning learning how to put it in words i guess yeah, yeah. i mean did i was reading some obviously interviews and stuff kind of surrounding it when you were working on the album at that Point. Did that kind of help you to escape from what else was kind of going on at the time? Uh, you mean from our personal life? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Suppose, I suppose so. I mean, unfortunately, we were all going through really hard times. Like when the when we were making the album, it was just like just lots of troubles with like our family and friends and all this. So I think uh, so I think the albums had like a had a darker tone because of that. So I think um, I think I think uh, well, music's an escape uh, like an escape anyway. But I mean, you know, your real life bleeds into it a lot. And especially like because this album, I think, at the end we realised the point of it is that it's sort of like a coming of age autobiography kind of thing. Um, it's, uh, so our personal lives had to wait into it a little bit. So it wasn't fully like, you know, we fucked off for a couple of months and then came back afterwards. It was like, you know, kind of balancing the two, I suppose, yeah. What you're saying there about how your personal lives kind of bleed into it, do you notice that at the time or is that only afterwards when you look back you can pick out the meaning from what you've written? Um, I, I mean, I mean, I, I like, I love lyrics. Like, I'm like well into that shit. So, so it's like, um, I mean, uh, I think uh, so. I try my best to have a meaning, and then sort of as time goes on, you end up really living what you make. So it's sort of like when we finished this EP we made, um, we had to go and sort of live through that and how the songs were affecting us as we were performing them. And you sort of end up becoming that person, really. And we're just at the start of that journey now. So sort of, uh, I. Th- I definitely think it means one thing now but you know at the end of the album campaign it might be something else I mean you know I've got to live it you know yeah, yeah. did did you set down a blueprint at all when you went into the studio did you have an idea of what you wanted it to be no no, no idea absolutely no idea it was seriously just a jump into nothing it was like a, and I had terrible writer's block as well so it was like the only thing I could have written like write, writer's block for me is just not being able to know what I've just done is good or bad 
So because I didn't know if any of the lyrics I was writing were good lyrics or bad lyrics, um, I could only tell by sort of cringing faces and like um, and just whether it was true or not. So sort of like I was just like, okay, well if I just write about stuff that I just um, that I really you know feel about at this literally this point when I'm writing, then if it's all true, then I suppose then it's it's got to be good to some degree. So I think uh, so I think yeah. So I completely forgot the question. I went, I went on the right tangent then. It was what you were saying as well about your lyrics, and I do agree that that's one of the strongest points of the band. Thanks. And that, Thanks a that lot. Shines through. And when you like, obviously have all this punky kind of stuff in the album that harkens back to what you were doing before and there's oh, also yeah. tracks from before but you also have this new kind of thing coming into it do you think what do you think the two effects have on your lyricism with those two different styles do you think it affects the way it shines through almost in some degree yeah I mean I mean, I think like a big thing with us is to just have every song have a punk intention whether it's a punk song or not uh, that, so, so it's like um, uh, I remember speaking about this last time. <laughs> the, 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 I think we did, yeah. Like the thing, because that was when the EP had just come out before. Yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, I mean, I'm, I guess I'm, I was in a similar place then than I am now, basically with different projects. But it was like, um, yeah, I think, I think it's just always like the lyric content is. I mean, I like putting like really like romantic, like really sentimental stuff over the heaviest stuff we have. To sort of um, to sort of give it that dynamic. So I think actually the, ly- the lyrics are like independent of what's happening sonically. Like it doesn't really matter if we have the distortion pedals on and off. I'm still kind of you know on the same track. It's just kind of performed differently, really. Yeah. I mean, there's a thing about I'd, not even just every track that pretty much every track. But it carries this kind of urgency to it, and it has yeah, something thanks. that needs to be said. Do you, yeah. do, you, do you think what you wanted to start off saying? Like, what needed to be said to begin with when you first started a band is different to what you're saying now, and if so, how? Oh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I think there was a lot of like um, like playing into caricatures, like like when we started, and it's like it's sort of just because because we started when we were like teenagers and we were fresh off the bat of just discovering that like music for the this certain kind of music for the first time, which was like seventies like. New York punk was like really the thing that like got us doing what we're doing now and it's sort of refresh off of the bat of that and almost pretending to be that in a way and I think now it's sort of how we use the things that we learned then um, musically to sort of tell our own story like you can in my own in, 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 in our early recordings you can I can hear myself putting on an American accent and I think that says like a lot like I can hear myself going Chillet, who's left Oh, pesticides! When it's like it's when now it's like I'm very deliberately singing my own accent and very deliberately about things that I've actually lived. Because it, and it touches on that in the album as well, which is like a, you know I've learned to be careful of who I pretend to be, because that's often the kind of person you do end up being in the end, who you pretend to be really, the kind of the kind of face that you put on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, can I continue on from the last question? The way that you're saying something different now. Yeah. Do you know pop music has a different uh, like position in society now and a different use for it like do you think people are getting something different from it than they used to um, I, th- I mean do you know what's really strange is that we're in very similar times now that we kind of well, would have been in the 80s politically I think where we've just got like mad leaders the impression so, so it's kind of yeah so, yeah, so, so, so it's like um, so, it's, so it's like I think the political intent is the same but the thing that just like weirds me out is that I think a lot of pop music has punk traits 
Like, I think a lot of pop music is, like, political and, like, overtly sexual and, and really dirty. So it's, like, um, in a sonic sense and a content sense. Where it's, like, um, so it's, um, so I don't know. I think punk, more than ever, uh, is driven by community rather than it is sound. Because, I mean, I mean, like, pop music has learned from punk in the past. So now if punk is um is working it's got to be it's got to be amongst the people and they have to declare themselves as punk because at any minute every punk fan could go like idols is pop because it's very <laughs> popular and, it, and it's like um you know so community i think is the thing that defines it now more than more so than ever was that something you found for me the community when you when um, you first got into it was that something you something you were looking for right did you find it i think I'm, i think i think so yeah i think i think when you get into music like you're looking for a world that like you sort of want to be part of like when, when you first find it when, when it's really raw and then that kind of age where you discover loads of stuff and i think it's um i think it's uh i was such a loner though i didn't really know what was going on with gigs i'd be like the first gigs that i went to were my own really like i like i kind of found out what the whole gig situation was by doing them so it's like a, but I had mates that were sort of aware of the scene and they were aware of current bands and sort of a, so I think I wanted to be part of it but I never really saw it so it's nice now that sort of I see sort of kind of like clicks and things and like, oh, that's nice that I'm supplying music for them <laughs> I don't know I would have liked to be part of that but it didn't happen for me you know. what are the um so maybe it ties into that a little bit what it's in there is showing ahead with Seth yeah where yeah. you kind of you take almost a character to an extent and yeah. you use yeah. that to say what you're wanting to say about anxiety and daily anxieties how does that change your songwriting approach if you're writing with a character in mind and it's, it's got a character in the song I think I, I, th- I think it's like I think that I reckon Seth is like a uh, it's like you know, I was saying that the, the careful of the person you pretend to be. I think Seth is the person that we used to be pretending to be. I reckon, and now um, and now I've and now I've got myself having a conversation that's like, oh well, I'm stuck with you now because I've formed a career around you. But it's sort of like, um, yeah, it's the play between that. So I think that just drove the lyrics the whole time, and that was just like that was keeping that that was just keeping me afloat really. That narrative. So yeah. I mean, it's sort of, but like, it means a lot of different things. The anxiety thing definitely means, I mean, uh, that means a lot to me too. So, um, I don't know, the narrative drove me forward, I think. Like, I had this thing in mind, I was like, if I just write to this, you know, you don't, you've got not much to worry about, you know, if you just stick to the tracks yeah. on that particular song. Did you update a few songs to the album as well? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. rework. How was, yeah. That, how was that going back in and revisiting those old songs? Because that is one of the beauty of the thing, it's, it's a melding of what you used to be and what you are now, and it yeah, works yeah. together really yeah, well. Yeah, I, 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 I really, I really love that. I really love that. I think, I think it's very relevant now. But when I'm like so much older, and I can't really see the difference between back then and now because I'll be that much older, it'll just be like, it'll just be the story of, of, uh, of our lives up to that point. So it's like, um, I think, oh my god, I forgot the question. I'm really sorry. What was it? <laughs> it was uh, how was it going back in and recording? Oh, yeah, oh those, god, yeah. Re-recording those. That was really cool, yeah. Because I mean, like, I mean, like, I think, uh, I think, like, I don't write as simply now, and I'm almost envious that sort of when I was very younger, I'd write way more simply. So it's sort of like I, I definitely had to retain that simplicity, and also just sort of like 
uh, sort of address the things that I was bringing up then and then just sort of like um, it was almost like a conversation which is why like whenever I do an interview now I keep describing the album as, as autobiographical because I think it's I think I'm having a conversation with myself throughout the whole thing like right until the very end when it turns into this big like chorus yeah I can hear that thanks yeah. and looking outside the, the album but I've got two questions last looking outside for the penultimate one Foo Fighters I don't want to ask about that oh, yeah. and supporting oh, them because yeah, that dude. must have been did you get to meet Grow and yeah, it was really embarrassing. <laughs> it was like a that no, it was like an it was like it was amazing, man. It was fucking amazing to be there. And it was like um so I so I so I met Pat Smear for a bit and spoke to him and then sort of that was like in passing and it was like oh my god <laughs> and then it was uh, and then uh, we were hanging out with the other bands and things and uh, in the backstage kind of area that was essentially it's like a field. And then sort of, um, yeah. and then it was like, um, and Dave Grohl just showed up like from out behind the venue. And I saw him like wrapped up in his hoodie, so like just his face is like poking out like that out of like this parka sort of thing. Like, uh, and I saw him and I was like, oh my god, it's actually Dave Grohl right now. And I didn't know what the hell to say. And I mean, it shouldn't really mean that much to you, because he's just a guy that's done this amazing, amazing work, and it's the work I'm freaking out with, not necessarily the dude, you know. So I shouldn't have been panicking like this, really. But, but it's like, I saw him and just something in my head just played it off as like a joke. So I just like, I was really drunk and I had a pint. I looked at him and I went, right, David, and I winked at him, and he just like, and he was just like, yeah, man, and then just like, took off really quickly. <laughs> I ruined my chances with Dave Grohl, <laughs> like really quickly. <laughs> so, um, uh, so the gig was the best bit, and that was like, oh, the hell's the story, I suppose, but like, whoops. <laughs> well, you've still met Dave Grohl. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. I met David, yeah. <laughs> In a... Uh, to throw in that one last question. Sure. What's the best response you've had to the album from someone? Um, oh, just myself. The fact that the fact that I'm happy with it means a lot to me. Because I mean, usually when we finish stuff, I have like a two-week freak out that I've done the wrong thing. But just like those two weeks came, and I was like, you know what? Sort of younger me would have been really happy with this album. I think I would have been inspired by it. That's, that's it for me, man. Because I know there's people out there that will like that are like me, and you know, I mean, I can hope that's all I can hope for, really. So as long as it sits right with me, then we'll just, you know, I know there's people out there that will feel the same way, and that's, I'm content, very good. And that's quite a nice note to end. <laughs> yeah, sure. It was brilliant, man. Thanks. Yeah, sometimes I'm clearly quite a bit trigger happy with pushing the stop button, and they cut off quite abruptly. But next up is conversation number four with Larkins from the first of November, twenty nineteen. How much did you spend on food? 25 quid. I'll just put it in the water. Uh, go to a quick. I'll put it down a wee bit. Ah, 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 I'll put it down a wee bit. It's a nice little piece of kit there, isn't it? I love it. <coughs> yeah. Um, what, what's this for, by the way? What's the. Uh, uh, it's got out in a zine. Okay, Scottish. Cool. Zine magazine type thing. Sick. So yeah, it's not too bad. We love a zine. Yeah, we love a zine. I think everyone loves a good zine. Yeah, We're big into zine. Yeah, have you done many of these? This is the second one. Wow. So, I, what, first one, September. Yeah. I did a lot of film interviews though, uh, for YouTube. 
cool. And the is kind of a, a newer thing. Mega. It's good fun. Nice one, man. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so the, I wanted to start off with Man of Love, because that's something that kind of speaks about like escaping and, and getting out of a town. Yeah. Was that something you kind of felt and kind of drove you towards music? like escaping? From probably. Music? We all grew up in like a little town called Glossop. Uh, Joe grew up in Wigan, but I think it probably had a similar thing where it was like a bit of a bubble and we just wanted to get out of it. So yeah, that was basically where that song came from. And probably drove us to music, yeah. yeah. I mean, the place like Manchester as well, which obviously kind of get linked in, but yeah. being part of that scene. Yeah. Did you ever feel a bit of pressure for the kind of heritage that comes from there? Um, I think it's in- interesting, because we get asked a lot about like the Manchester scene and stuff, and I think we like to... Uh... Yeah, that's a story. Keep that in. <laughs> Thank you. Wow. Thank you very oh, much. Yeah. Oh Jesus. Wowzers. And there's more. Nice and there's more. Thank you. There's more the coming three, as well. There's three, yeah, yeah. There's three of them. <laughs> How did you do that you were going to finish this? Oh, we, I only realised we'd made a mistake when we got up there. Right. It's alright. Anyway, yeah. Sorry Alex. Yeah. yeah. So I think obviously like Manchester's amazing. It's got such an amazing rich history of music but I think we never felt like a Manchester band really, like being from Glossop. We sort of always sort of wanted to be more like nationwide, we wanted to be like a UK band, we wanted to be a world band, I think, and that's always been our mindset. We never really saw ourselves as a Manchester band in that sense. So you had that kind of outside of feel when you were going out and seeing I think so in a way, yeah. yeah like, there. Thanks so much. <laughs> we haven't really like grown up like on the streets of Manchester or anything or like we were we were always from this background and we were taken in by it and stuff and we loved but I think that helps that we were brought up in that bubble and then we got to really suddenly be immersed onto this scene which was a really interesting thing and it helped a lot. Yeah. That was really good answer. Yeah it was. <laughs> and a lot of the songs they kind of fit into this, this poppy kind of indie poppy category. Jeff, what? Like, <laughs> 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 for a minute there. Um, do you have like certain parameters you set down of what you think a Larkin song is and what it should be? We sometimes do. We did this recently where we like sat down and made like a checklist of like what every song had. And we always said like one it had to have enough bass and two it had to have a beautiful moment. Like each song has to have like a, a moment where we always thought it was a bit beautiful and so on. That's about it. Interesting, wasn't it? Because we got signed and we had all these conversations sort of about what sort of avenues to go down. Because we've always had a bit of a spectrum of songs, haven't we? Mm-hmm. And we actually made, we sort of made like, it sounds really sad, but like a graph of what Larkins <laughs> is. And that yeah. was the easiest way we could do it. We got a whiteboard out in our flat. And we're like, what is Larkins? Come on, we can figure this out. <laughs> and we, yeah, we didn't really get anywhere, but <laughs> here we are. That's what Larkins is changed over time. <clears throat> Definitely. Massively, yeah. Definitely. In what way is it going to develop? Well, we as people... We used to like, be shit now. Well. <laughs> <laughs> you change as a person, like... And obviously, inevitably, that changes the, your creative output and like, what you're putting out, how you're feeling, like, all that sort of thing. It completely changes the way it's so... It's so, like, based on how you're feeling at the minute, whether it's down to your performance or, like, the sound you're making or like, what you're writing. Or it's just, yeah. I think as well we've got more pop because I think yeah. when a band first starts we try to do a lot of crazy cool stuff, really out there things, but I think now like all of us 
appreciate the art of writing a good pop song over doing all the complicated things. Yeah, it's not a shame to be pop. Like, I mean, yeah, which I think when you first start a band, a lot of, especially when you're younger, you are. It's like, oh, we don't want to be a pop band. But now that's the music we enjoy making more than anything else. The thing is as well, we, we've grown up making music. Like we started when we were like, however old, 14 probably, writing songs. So like the Hit and Run was written when I was like 15, 16. So like we're now writing songs when we're 22, 23. It's like they're going to have changed. And I just think we've just got a bit more mature and better really. <coughs> Big time. What are you were saying there, didn't there still a stigma about pop all today when you tell people you're a pop band? Um, I think, I think we <laughs> don't feel it, but I feel like especially when we were younger, we definitely did. I think that's why a lot of bands, when they start, do do that. But I think obviously now we've matured a little bit. We're, like like Josh said, like we've matured and that's what we enjoy doing. And, we're kind of not ashamed of it anymore. But I think we definitely were at one point. It's weird because that's like one of the biggest put downs, isn't it? Like, yeah. When you go to a gig, someone will go, it's a bit poppy, isn't it? Like, <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. People are fucking like that song. So was Prince, so was The Beatles, you know so I mean? was David Bowie. So. Yeah. 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 One of the things you have to do show with a lot of pop bands is fucking sick production. Is that something you've always been really passionate about, or is that something I've developed? I think yeah. so. I think we've got into it a lot more ourselves. Of like, we don't tend to send like acoustic demos anymore. We try and produce as much of it ourselves. So we're like invested in a studio in Manchester, so that we could kind of do the kind of introductory parts. And I feel like we've now got to the stage where a song isn't um, written without production. We kind of write with production in mind. Um, but yeah, we work with some really great people. Like we've worked with Chris Zane a lot video friendly fires and stuff so like we've learned loads of him. What do you look for in a producer when you're when you're looking for them? What are you looking out for what are Um a lot of the time it's a vibe. Like you've got to be like be able to work with them well. I think modernity is usually a big one, like they're up and coming like they're raring to go. Um, with like new stuff they've heard, new stuff. Um, I don't know. Willing to try new stuff. I think we've been in rooms before where it's kind of been quite oppressive, whereas with Chris it's very like passive. We can just kind of try what we want. Yeah. And as getting into music, uh, production, sorry, has that changed the way you listen to music now? Are you now listening? Yeah, it's ruined it. Definitely. Ruined going to shows, <laughs> listening to music. And what, what are you listening out for then when you're listening The thing concert? is, like, you've said this before to be fair, like, you had got those mint headphones mm. and all of a sudden you can hear every little thing and the panning and everything like in complete detail and you sort of half of you stops listening to the song yeah. as like a consumer and you start mm. listening to it as a analyzer yeah as an analyzer and like like a reviewer like you're reviewing every little bit of it which makes some parts of it like you understand it a lot better i think you understand the process which in you know some ways gives you a completely different angle on music. The, the worst thing as well is as soon as you get into like guitars, pedals, plugins, everything like that, like you start to listen out for those things in tracks so that you can just be like, oh I know what that is. I'll yeah. use that. It's just so yeah. It is hard to enjoy music, but also when someone gets it right, like everyone like put the new Kanye album on and like the first track hits in and everyone's like real it's really satisfying to hear like production that's one pushing the boat out and two just huge yeah. so like you can still really appreciate production yeah and in terms of looking at live as well when you're stuff is producing such a high quality does it become harder to translate live? no? I don't know maybe yeah probably 
you just got to bring better people on board. Like Jake's our front of house, and like if they're up for it and they can do it, then you're okay. We've got to have people that can do it with you. I think, but we've got to the point where we can't just do it on our on our own anymore. It's really fun trying to translate it to live though, I think as well because I think sometimes people think you're imprisoned by how the track sounds on record it doesn't have to be that way at all and I think we go into it with just how we're going to make this the best live experience for someone rather than how we're going to make it sound exactly like the track mm. you know I mean because people you know you want to come and have a different experience than just listening at home I think we definitely try and do that with tunes <laughs> what are these? Cauliflower bikes. Calamari? Yeah. Oh, they aren't moving. Is it ever tough for you guys when you play, you know, a thousand people and they adore you, or hundreds of people, and then you come off the stage and you have to try and readapt to my life? Is that ever difficult? Yeah. It used to be really tricky. But I think we definitely got to the point now where we split it off. It's not an alter ego, I wouldn't say. But we definitely have different... Um, different characters maybe like you can't come off stage and be with your family and be the same person you were on stage no way so I think we've just learned to split it and it makes it more manageable for us and more manageable for the people around us does that make any kind of sense? yeah it does make sense it's almost like a coping mechanism in a way that you have to be someone different on stage I think it's not it's kind of you but like um I always think it's like an version. exaggerated version of yourself on stage. That was the word I was looking for. Yeah, just so that... Sometimes we finish each other's sentences. sentences. Yeah. So it's not like you're pretending to be someone else, but you're just aware at the end of the day there's a room full of people looking at you, which means you've got to behave in a... And not, not just looking at you, but looking at you wanting to be entertained, because like you're putting on a show. So you have to obviously not play up to it, but just be aware of that and have that in your mind. Um, and let that come across in the way you act. I think we also wish we were more like the people we are on stage, yeah. which is kind of nice. It's kind of nice to like have that person where you can go, that place you can go, let loose, and then come back to reality. A bit. That is weird, but I get what you mean. Right. Well, I wish I was more like that guy, mm. and that's me. I'm ten times more confident on stage. Mm. I wish I was like that all the time. Yeah. And in terms of the live album, you've out as well. What was kind of behind the decision for that and what benefits do you think from a live album that we don't get from recording music? Ryan? <laughs> <laughs> Someone else can take that one. I think there's been this big thing recently with the enemy, haven't they, saying that live albums are dead and people don't want to hear that. And I think that... I think that's bullshit. <laughs> I'll tell you for a while. <laughs> Strap yourself in, huh? No, I've just, as I said before, like, I think I, like the show is a completely different part of it like compared to releasing a track. And I think it's so important, especially for us, <clears throat> on our way sort of up, hopefully, you know, we're on an incline, to sort of freeze that moment in time at the Albert Hall, which is like a venue we wanted to play since we were like, you know, 10 years old or something. And it's such a sick venue, and it was such a special night, a special moment with everyone who's been there since the first gig we ever played. Like, to freeze that moment in time for people and for us to listen back to is, is incredible. <laughs> Hawaiian? Hawaiian, that's what I meant. Sorry. Hawaiian. They are very different. <laughs> <laughs> One's rancid, and one isn't. Thank oh, you, Ryan. 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 Why would you ruin a pizza like that? <laughs> uh, would you say that was your proudest moment so far then? 
No. Like, what, no? The, what the the live album? Oh, the, the gig itself? The thing is, oh, people wow. keep saying this and it's like, it was amazing, it was huge, but like, this tour especially, we've realised that every show has to be that show. We've set a bar now and that if we can't match that show at Sneaky Beats tonight, then there's no point in doing it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so maybe not. Maybe it won't be that good. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it won't be that good. But if we don't put the performance in, we did then. Does that make sense? Yeah. As our like, yeah, as from our mentality, yeah. what we do, like you've got to make it special for the hundred cap venues <laughs> and two thousand cap venues at the end of the day. And we're a long right. fucking way from home, and like there's still going to be a hundred people. Like there was however many people last night. Everywhere so we've gone so far, it's crazy like that people are actually coming watching us. It's like we just, I think we've just come to terms with it. Every night has to be special. Yeah. Like because we got into it like third day in, and I was like, this is the third day. I hope it's better than the last one. And like Ryan said to me, like you can't do that. You've got to be each day has to be a standalone headline slot. Every night it's got to be like the live album, you know. So I don't know. We've set a bar, I guess. That was what the point of the album was. That's a good way to end it. Next up is a conversation with Weekend Debt from approximately the end of November 2019. Hi, so I was wondering, like, at what age did music first start to kind of attract you and pull you in, and what age did you first start to get, like, you know, properly hooked to it? I would have been, like, maybe about 12, 12, 13. And it was like my my papa's played in bands for like from when he was like eighteen years old. Um and just like being in his house, he would always have like a guitar upstairs, we'd always sit and play guitar. And then I can't really remember like when the, the first time was that I actually wanted to play it. But I just I've got a memory of like <clears throat> sitting in my mum's house and my papa teaching me stand by me on the guitar. I remember just playing that, like, no other song, but just playing that for like months. <laughs> and it was like, then I started getting like bass lessons. Um, so whether within like 12 or 13 was when I probably started getting really, really into music. I think I was about the same age. Because <clears throat> it was kind of the same idea, but like my uncles were always in bands and had been for ages. And like any like family function, they're always like there, like just jamming songs all the time with all the family. And then I got an acoustic guitar for my 11th or 12th birthday and I played it for a bit and then I like had guitar lessons and I wasn't that into it and then I remember <clears throat> I was still really into music I just couldn't be bothered playing guitar for some reason and I remember having like I had the it was like a Queen Greatest Hits album and I like listened to that like religiously like all the time in my bedroom and then when I got to high school when it was like second year or third year I started playing bass and I started just learning it myself and then after that I just started teaching guitar myself as well and then yeah that's when I remember like actively learning guitar and instruments and about music and that and like actually starting to focus on learning things because before I just I don't know if it was because when you're in lessons like they're just telling you what to do and it's not what you want to do but until I got to high school I didn't know what I wanted to do or play uh, but yeah once I taught myself then I could do like what I wanted to do you know what I mean and that's probably when I first knew that I wanted to do music. Yeah. Would you say you're obsessed with it all now can you kind of lead? Yeah. Nah definitely, definitely. I'm always thinking about either like, like 
the next thing with the band or like a new album or any new music I've heard I've always got like a wee melody in my yeah, head like all, all of our friends are all like yeah, yeah being surrounded so by musicians as well just like the, the only conversations we have and have with each other is just like sending each other wee voice memos or, like this is pretty cool I had like, <laughs> so many voice notes of just <laughs> random shit and like sometimes I'll go sometimes I'll be lying in bed and go back through my notes and I'm like I don't remember that I don't remember that it's like time stamped yeah, at like just, half yeah. four in the morning <laughs> it's just like little riffs it's not even like full things but there's so many and there's so many notes with like lyrics on it and it's just like yeah it's a constant um, mindset of like thinking of the next thing or always thinking of something new to play or do you know yeah. so yeah I'd say I'm obsessed are there any like gigs or performances that you went to like in your formative years that you remember having quite an effect upon you yeah, I've been to like I can't really think of a gig that like I saw that I was like I want to do that because I think by the time I was going to gigs I already knew like I was really yeah, into I music um, I'm trying to think what my like earliest gigs were I'm not going to say my earliest gigs because it was like example <laughs> and like X Factor <laughs> tour I beat you like, at Bellas and Park that was my first ever gig no I, I remember going to see I went to see the 1975 at the ABC when the first album was out but that was like that again that was like me like getting into music and yeah. I was like this is what I want to do Um that was no, a good gig though. It, it, was, it was great. <laughs> I, think, I think I was like 14. <laughs> like, I had like two bottles of beer and I was like loving life. But I think when I started getting into like, see when I started getting into like Scottish bands and like bands that I could see were like essentially like close to home, yeah. if you know what I mean? So when I first started getting into Fatherson, like they weren't huge but they had like a fan base. And then like seeing them playing kind of like smallest shows and kind of like following them around through the years and getting bigger and bigger that's that's when I was like oh like I can do that like it's not as <coughs> sometimes when you first get into music you see this image of like these rock stars and they're like held on like a pedestal and it's like they're these gods which some of them are but it's also like ordinary people like you have to start somewhere you know and build your way up usually I think Bands, bands like fans and ones that like are from here and that seeing them do that makes you think that you can do it as well, which is good. Yeah, when, yeah sorry. No, it's like it's, it makes it seem like it's a lot more in your reach. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's I mean, not like, as it's such a far-fetched you idea. See, you see people bands playing the high zone stuff, and it's yeah. like you think that's what you want to do, but then it's like I can go again broadcast. And there's like sixty people there, and they're they're just as good. And it's yeah. like the whole it inspires you that people so close to home are going out and doing uh-huh. it yeah now like not yeah obviously now there's loads of bands in the music scene that like we're friends with and or know of that are getting really big you know it shows like with hard work it can be done you know yeah and when you were planning to kind of come back this year and put new music are you don't say you relaunched yourself they kind of kick-started it a bit and yeah. came back was it always the plan to come back with an EP? Is that how the discussions kind of started? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. so we kind of thought like, we were thinking about putting out singles, but I think the, because we spent so long with time off, yeah. we had so many new ideas and kind of changed the way that the, the, the band had sounded that we 
felt it was best to just put out the EP and as like a, instead of just one song, like this is what we are now, have a collection of songs that goes like, yeah. this is what we do now, rather than what we were before. I think, I think now we're getting more into an idea of like what our actual sound is. But when I first joined, like Grant said, like there was a lot of ideas and um, like I think we wanted to just put a bit of music out because there hadn't, <coughs> pardon me, hadn't been anything in a while. And also like, like the EP is very like, each song's a kind of different thing, you know? So it was like um, a collection of everything that we could do. But now I feel we're getting more into the territory of like putting out singles that are very specific to us and like kind of, you know, like finding your sound. Um, I hate that phrase because like you can find your sound and then you'll like change it completely, you know? But I, th I think we're getting into the mindset of yeah. writing songs with like with everyone with the same ideas instead of um, like adding random bits just for no reason other than it's cool and different, you know. Um, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't the new stuff like show our thoughts and singles away from after it? I think it's already kind of different to the EP. It's already kind of moving forward. I think so. Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. I would say. And the new. The, the next single we're bringing out is like it's it's hard to because it is like I see it as this as the same as us because it's us that's writing it but it's not totally the same as the EP like it's the same idea but in a different way it's quite like a big song it's got like a big chorus and a big breakdown in it with a, like a sing-along bit and but I think it'll always be kind of the same because of like, like your lyrics and it's usually Grant that first writes the songs so it almost always starts off the same way it's just when we build on it it changes from like any ideas we everyone, have everyone's every player in the band have all got like their, their own ideas and their own like style of playing and it makes it so much easier when you're writing a song because you can I know that I can just write the song as just kind of as like a kind of blank tam template sorry of just this is how it sounds, this is how these bits sound, but everyone's so unique in how they play that I know that they're going to like add more to the song. Mm -hmm. That's yeah. Uh, yeah. With, with the EP as well, how, do you think all the four songs are linked together? And if so, how are you? Kind of, yeah. Together? I mean, that was just like at the time of doing the EP, we were thinking a lot more of <clears throat> the bits in between songs, of like when you see a band live. Instead of just listening to the songs, it's what they're doing in between the songs and how they're how they're putting songs up together and blending songs. Yeah. So I think the way the, we, we, we tried to make the set the not the set list, sorry, the, the track list of the EP kind of flow. <laughs> run in like a specific run in, run in like a yeah. set and run like like flow together yeah. very well. Yeah. I mean that kind of comes in El Padrino as well. Yeah. 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 That just honestly the, the, the sample pad has been. <laughs> the best thing we could have done to the band, no, honestly, because it makes it so much easier to write songs as well. Like, add in wee, like, little... you just add in wee bits, and from that, you can just so, like, in, in Shower Thoughts, the kind of like drum and bass bit, that was just like because it's such a fast paced song, it was just easy to, you know, it's like, it's like subconsciously, it was like, right, this is a fast song, it's got a fast kind of dancey bit in the middle of it. It makes it easier to write stuff because you're in that mindset of like, right, it's fast. 
like upbeat songs. So it's, I think we want to add bits like that as well because it's a little bit different, you know. Because um, we've had like when we played gigs before, a lot of people have come up being like, "Oh, that's really cool that you used the sample pad." Because it's something a bit not that like a lot of I, I I've seen I've seen some like rock bands do it before. Yeah, but, as many punk bands. Like, yeah, 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 not yeah. not as many people like. So it's quite a cool thing to like add in, especially live as well. It's not just on the record, you know. Yeah, it's, a, it's a different way or why? Yeah, just, it adds, adds yeah it's the basically sounds. a different instrument, you know. Yeah. I'll go ask about that one, because that's like my favourite song. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Um, Thanks. Where did it kind of come from? Because it's quite different to anything else. Yeah, the the song so or the sample? Yeah, the, yeah, the song. Like, so, yeah. we, are, we are friends with a band called Static Union. Very good and, band. Yeah, they're, they're a very good band. And I, was writing a song one day and it, it, they've, they've got a song called You Wish and it's like my favourite song they've not released it and I tell them everything I see them I'm like you have to bring this song out and it's and so I was writing a song and I was like yeah this is really good but getting really into it I sent it to James and he was like yeah it's the exact same as our song like every every bit was the exact same so I was like right let's go balls to the wall let's just change it up and it ended up just we wrote the instrumental for it first just as kind of like a just it's like something to do it was never like taken seriously or that and then one night I think I'd been out the night before just had this dream I can actually got the note on my phone it's like five o'clock in the morning just writing absolute nonsense I had this dream and that was where the lyrics came from it was just the lyrics don't mean anything it was just I was just kind of the song was just kind of more I was exploring like a heavier sight and then it seems to be a lot of people's favourite song now so it's <laughs> Is it the one that's got the best reaction? Probably. It's yeah. the most fun to play live. Uh -huh. And everyone just, always comes up after live being like, aye, that last song's really, really good. I think it's just because it's like a lot of... Because it's a bit different from yeah. all the other sort of indie stuff we do. It's got quite a big like, impact kick to it. Yeah, yeah. good impact. And it's just loud as fuck, yeah, to be honest. And that always gets people's attention. How much know? noise can I make yeah. this guitar make? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. So like, do you think... Shower thoughts, is that kind of where it's going more now? I think so, yeah. Like, I think, yeah. The next single is also definitely more on that kind of. It's hard it, to describe your own sound, like, yeah. I always find that. Um, but yeah, I think it is more. I don't, I, again, it's also hard to tell because you don't want to say, yeah, we're going down this road and then, like, one thing will change and we'll do something yeah. completely different, you know? But the next, like, Shower Thoughts and the next single are definitely. In, in a similar like frame of mind, I think, and the way they've been written and the way they've been recorded. Obviously, we recorded them both together, so <clears throat> we wanted it to be like you know, like a cohesive structure, like they're sort of the same, I the same sort of sound, the same sort of like guitar tones and that. Uh, yeah. What you're saying about like unexpected things can change the path of where the song, yeah. the sound's going. Does that happen a lot? Uh, it happens every single yeah. week because <laughs> every time Grant finds a new band or like artist he listens to he'll come in with a song that almost sounds like exactly like them and then so like he came in with like this me and Grant had been doing this um, been doing like acoustic gigs and we were doing like just like Indian like rock and roll covers and that and then like the week after Grant came in with a song and it's so like like bluesy rock and roll and we're playing it and we're like this is not us like it's a really good song but it's just like the chords and the way we're playing the rhythm and that we're like this no this is meant for like a blues rock band 
but yeah, I think I think we and like I'll come up with a riff. I'll be like, that's a really good riff, and I'll be like, nah, we, like that doesn't fit. We can do it, but then I think we'll always try to just make to it, try and make it work. Change things yeah. about, yeah. Just because you come up with something like it can still be good if you change it, you know, in like a different way, because you can fit it into. You can change it into any genre if it's only like just just a riff or just a song, you know. Um, but yeah, I feel like. I feel like we're still trying to find a set, <clears throat> a set sound and genre that we uh, adhere to. Yeah. 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 What, like, what are you saying there about you do discount some things that last all week? Like the what, sorry? You might be some, like, sometimes discount oh, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. What parameters do you say define weekend debt? Yeah, that's. Are they like, very much fluid though? No, I don't know. I'll write a riff, and if I think it's. Sometimes I think it's too heavy. But like, at the same time, it's not because obviously we've got El Pugino. I don't, I, I don't know. Sometimes I just think sometimes it just has to click. Sometimes yeah, yeah. you just have to write something. Sometimes I've just got to know that, like, Grant's melodies will go over this and the way Harvey drums and I, don't, I, I honestly don't really know. I don't think <laughs> of it like as in detail as that. I'll just write something and be like, does that fit or not? Just like. As like, like a like, I don't know the word I'm looking for. No, I I I honestly don't know to be honest. It just depends. Or sometimes I'll send Grant a riff and be like, "What do you think of this?" I'll be like, "Aye, that's good." Or, "Nah, that's too much." Or, "Nah, that's already a song." <laughs> and that's that the classic. Well. Like, nah, that sounds a lot like another song. Yeah. That's where we sometimes get stuck in the routine of doing that as well. We'll write a song and we'll write. A wee bit in that, and we're like, wait, is that already a song? And then we spend ages trying to figure out what song <laughs> it is, and then we're like, nah, it doesn't even matter. It's not. It's fine. <laughs> it seems like you're quite open to what we can get and can be. Yeah, I like, think so. I think you should be at in this stage as well. You know, like you're still always creating something new, and you always want to do like the next thing. You don't want to continue down the same road forever, you know, doing the exact same thing over and over again because it'll just get boring and tiring, you know. You look at most big bands, like, they've gone through Every such a change. Yeah. 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 For the Panopic conversation, I have a chat with Dancing on Tables from 25th of April 2019. So, like, kind of the same as the last time, I just start for like, one general one and kind of get into music yeah. and then end on a general one. Um, but I wonder what the first album you bought was to start with. Um, the first album I ever bought was Hopes and Fears by Keen, um, which is a really weird one, but I think it was about nine years old. I'd maybe had albums before, but it was the first one that I actually like had birthday money and went out and got. I don't know why. It is a great album, to be fair, but something about ten-year-old me just <laughs> got attracted to Keen's music. <laughs> yeah. Um... And do you think physical music is something that's quite important, like kind of like vinyl and stuff like that? Yeah, I think especially the kind of vinyl revival that's been happening in the last decade or whatever has shown that people like value having something like tangible that they can actually own and touch rather than just listen to. You know, it's a it's, you can like be proud looking at your collection of music and 
you know some of the records have stories or and I know like from my generation anyway like I love looking through like my dad's old vinyl collection and he you know talks me through his favourite ones and stories about what happened when he put this one on or something like that so yeah I, I think there's <laughs> um, no I, I think yeah I just think people love the kind of ability to actually see what they own and not just press a button and then it's theirs and especially now with Spotify and everything like that when you don't even own it anymore you just pay for it so that kind of novelty of actually getting something and opening it up and listening to it for the first time is like, I get a buzz from it anyway. Yeah, it's definitely like a, I don't know, it's kind of a completely different experience. Like, yeah. It'll be th- five minutes, is that all right? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, and I wanted to kind of look at both of your releases from this year, so obviously the first one was Black. Um, yeah. I just kind of wanted to ask about the songwriting process by now and what it was kind of about. And stuff. So a lot of the songwriting, that, that one especially Black, um, we, we obviously do a lot between ourselves, Callum and I, um, and there's some of the tracks when we've just, one of us has done, or, uh, sorry, some of the tracks that we play live that like, just one of us has done, both of us have done, but recently we like, really love like, working with writers and we were fortunate to have a label out in Nashville that we use as a base out there, which is just as like the best songwriters in the world. Um, so Black was one of the ones that we had the kind of bare bones of it and we had the it was just actually the start it was the first verse and we weren't sure where to go and took it out and worked with this writer out in Nashville and within like 45 minutes you had this like this song and then it, that originally was meant to be a kind of slow acoustic one and then took it back to the rest of the guys were like this is what we've done let's play this and then that's when the process becomes like it becomes a dancing and table song rather than just a song that we've written. So it became like this like huge like sing along chorus and so it, it was a cool process going from like nothing to something to then this like song that we love that we think's huge. Yeah. Like, that is good. And then obviously coming on to things a few weeks ago Wonderland got released. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, really just kinda I wondered Kind of what that song was about, and was it when you kind of had for a while before you released it? Was yeah, it for the new well, Wonderland was a weird one um, because it was one that uh, a friend of ours that we do some work with. Um, he used to do a lot of songwriting, and he like challenged us one day. Um, he he challenged us one day to like write a song about Dunfermline, about the history of Dunfermline, and you know our. Um, our uh, our hometown and how we felt about that and you know Dunfermline's got a lot of history and musically it's got a lot of history um, and a lot of bands have come from it so it's trying to strike that balance of kind of sentimentality but also you know making it you know, an indie pop song um, which took a bit of work but th- that was more a kind of almost like a, a kind of mind map idea of a song it was like we, we just wrote a load of things down that we knew and we loved and like for example the cobbled streets or like the cobbled streets of Dunfermline High Street whereas whereas in, in, in other songs you'd be like 
you'd think of a lyric because uh, it sounds great or it works with the song or so this was actually more like we had a load of ideas and words and we're like right we now need to make this into a song so it's good I think it worked really well yeah. it's an idea that we've tried a couple of times since as well and um, earlier on you mentioned going over to America and kind of writing over there and stuff when you first started going over there what kind of impact did it did you notice a big difference in the songwriting that kind of came from before and after yeah hugely it's I mean Nashville's obviously known for its country music um, but it's got a lot of even artists that will write for country stars will write for other people as well and like we'll when we're writing with people and we hear stories about people they know that have you know written songs for Avicii and yeah it, it's just mental the scope of that, that these people have and their influence create, creatively um, so yeah when we went and we, we worked with a few people um, and just instantly you just get all those like all these new like ideas and styles of writing and I think the Americans kind of songwriting style is different I think Nashville style of songwriting is different even from that um, and it just completely so we've been over I think four times now for different trips and um, I think each time come away knowing like so much more than we did before and I'd, it would take years and years for us to be like to get to the point where we wouldn't learn like huge amount from this other person has a completely different style of writing to everyone else which is like such an exciting prospect yeah. and then taking it back home I think was it O that was using the Scottish yeah I would, do you think music is kind of an effective tool to kind of you know tackle like topics like that and kind of almost be used as like a I don't know how you would describe it but to kind of reinforce like a, a campaign or something. yeah yeah I mean like the whole like all of popular culture and especially with like vloggers and Instagram and everything and, you know everybody, everybody does ads and it just so happened that we got asked to do an ad that we actually really like, agreed with and like love the concept of it like it's, it's completely I, I, as a friend of ours actually said to me he said, you can you know, hit the jackpot of like, the completely opposite of selling out like it's something that we'd be actively interested in anyway you know um, so it was cool it was, it was so cool to be asked and you, know, you always the, the one thing is that every time you see like a fat like I, I don't know what you're doing <laughs> you see Sorry. like a a family member or something like that they're like oh I saw your advert in the telly it's not our advert it's Scottish water but no it's cool it's it was a really cool uh, cool campaign to be a part of um, and it's like such a like an, a, a part of a whole wider movement that is really picking up at the moment which is great and it can only bring good to yeah. the planet and I've just got a couple left but so you've brought out two singles already this year when you look back at your Spotify now you've got fucking tons of singles yeah. there. Um, <laughs> it's almost like people are so demanding now that they constantly need content and they're constantly doing a new single is that yeah. something that you were kind of a little bit find a little bit frustrating that you've kind of constantly got to be putting stuff out to keep people engaged? Or? No, um, I, I think it's something that we kind of embrace. I think um, so. When like for for example, the singles we we've been putting out just now, like we'll, we'll plan it before, like right, we'll do a single every six weeks, and 
you know, before the first single's released, you've got everything in place for the rest of them, and everything's recorded, and already, um, like, uh, uh, we're thinking we're going to do one last EP, or not one last, but one more EP after this one, and we've got, I don't know, like, 12 songs already demoed that could possibly, like, fit that for, like, we're constantly writing, and... If, if anything like we'd love it if we could put you know if it was a feasible thing where you could put out a song every month or something like that which you could like technically you could do but it's not going to have the same you know the, the budgeting and all the technicalities that you need around releasing things which kind of stops us but no we absolutely love it and always get like whenever we release a single we first wrote that like probably about a year or so before like you know that's it just joins the back of the queue to all the other scheduled things we have coming up so nah, it's, it's really cool ah cool um, what time are you on? Uh, nine nine okay, I just need fine. to move my keyboard on I've got one <laughs> left um, yeah just one so if you could have um, so we spoke about this at the first album you bought yeah but if you only had one album you could have to listen to for the rest of ever it's the only album you can listen to you can't listen Forever. to any other music You've just got one album, which album would be? Oh, man. Forever. Um, you, Callum, you can join in this one. If you could only oh. listen to one album for the rest of your life. Uh, oh, uh, it's got to be Sgt. Pepper's, right? <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I would continue from Callum's and I'll, I'll just go for no for the Beatles album one which has loads of Beatles songs on it so you've got a choice <laughs> perfect right thank you very Imagine. much thanks Cheers. so much man and for the final conversation I have a chat with only the poets from 24th of October 2019 Actually, with the name like coming from the James Baldwin speech, mm. is that someone you take inspiration from at all? Like his kind of writing, design, songwriting at all? To be honest, man, not really. It's it's uh, what it what it basically was is we well I I was just kind of like stumbling across stuff on um on the internet like geeking out a little bit and I and I I've just stumbled across the artist struggle for integrity and kind of was just gripped by the speech itself. There's no real kind of you know inspiration from his work like initially but just kind of liked when he signed and said only the poet it just kind of it just stuck with me to be honest mate and that's why we went for the name and, and then obviously we incorporated it incorporated it into the set as the intro which I think is kind of cool so that's why you hear it at the start of the set yeah before, yeah, before we come on yeah exactly because it and, and I think we probably won't stop doing that because it's kind of like our it's our thing, do you know what I mean? And it's and it's cool because it's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's, it's oh, where the name came from. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. in terms of like other writers outside of songwriting, are there any other writers I will song that you take influence from, or is it all songwriters? Like what, like so, like bands as inspiration, or, or I mean, I'm, uh, like writers of novels and stuff or poetry. Oh right, uh, not. Like to, I mean, to be honest, man, I'm not. I don't actually. I mean, <laughs> coincidentally, only the poets, but I don't really. Not no, I, not, I, I can appreciate poetry, songwriting's a form of poetry, definitely, but yeah, that's, I mean, like, you're going to pinpoint, like, things that influence our music, 
that kind of comes from like bands, 90s kind of, you know, the bands that people loved. Your, you know, your Blurs, your, your Stone Roses, The Cure, bands like that. They're our biggest influence, definitely. And when you're writing the song, can you hear, when you're writing the lyrics, sorry, can you hear exactly where you want the music to sound like in your head? So I actually do, we actually do it the other way around. So what we tend to do is we tend to get the, get the kind of vibe down first, um, and then we basically will write lyrics. Uh, so I'll then live with that, the kind of chords and stuff for a little bit, and then start to kind of write lyrics. But I always know what I want to write about, or it's always about what's like at the forefront of my mind. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, that's that's kind of the process really. Is that yeah? Has that process changed over the last few years? Has it developed at all? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, it's. I wouldn't say it's it's always that way around. Like there'll be times when I'll just write some stuff down about how I'm kind of feeling and then kind of turn that into a lyric and then we go in and we come up with like kind of like a vibe to go with that that can kind of match the mood of what you're writing about but like I said it the boys are so good at coming up with with fantastic parts guitar parts and, and things like that and and like synths and, and you know all the kind of production value uh, and I think 90s music particularly the vibe's so important when it comes to like the actual instrumentation of the song is very important and that vibe is kind of this is why I loved those kind of bands because it's all very you know you can hear the it's, it's all kind of uh, I don't know it's not necessarily similar but it's definitely songs of that era you can definitely pinpoint that they're, that they're from like the 90s you know what I mean so it's all the like jangly guitars and and shit like that so yeah yeah and yeah, like over the last few years I haven't about developing a wee bit at least and it's just changed a wee bit are there lessons that you've learned from your songwriting that you've kind of then taken forward yes uh, finished songs <laughs> like that's what I like when I was when I first started writing music when I was 16 like I used to just write a couple of lines and then stop and go on to the next thing and I think it's really important to try and finish finish that because I think I don't know it's just it just makes it easier going forward definitely just kind of sticking it out and because um, there's different parts of the songs you know choruses are obviously really important then you've got your verses and your middle eights or your bridges as people like to call them you know so I think definitely I try now to always finish an idea unless it's shit <laughs> and then I'll just and then I'll leave it yeah and in terms of like sonically although it's not always the best thing putting bands into genres you do kind of have this indie pop indie rock type thing going on was that always what you wanted to do? Like be an indie rock, indie pop band, or did you have other ideas when you first started off? And it's kind of yeah, yeah. Out? I think I think we, we all love we all we all love bands. You know what I mean? We love we love rock music. We love, but then we are also great lovers of pop music as well. Um, and I think that was always that. I think that was always the vision was to be that kind of band. I think particularly when you have when you when you put two guitars and a bass and a drum kit in, you kind of. That's kind of the sound you're destined for, really. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I definitely think that was uh, where we were going to land, is where we kind of are. I think that, that was always going to be the, the sound on that. Yeah. I mean, when you look at something like Seaspire, for instance, you're going to have this mature, slightly darker topic yeah. contrasted with like, the indie rock, indie pop. Is it ever difficult, like, finding the balance between the two of them? Mm. So yeah, yeah. I mean, so, oh, yeah, do you know, I didn't even think of Seaspire. So, everyone loves a ballad for one like everyone likes a slow song and everyone likes a song that they can kind of 
sing along to. It's a really nice moment in the set for us as well because it gives us all a bit of a breather for one. And also over the kind of the last year or so, it's, it's become, well, in fact, it's always been the most popular song, particularly online and things. So it's really one that people really sing back at you. And yeah, I, I don't think there's ever a danger of, you know, you can write slow ballads and still be a credible indie band. Do you know what I mean? So, and that song kind of just fell from the sky anyway. Do you know what I mean? It kind of just came from nothing. So, yeah. One of the things that's kind of a constant throughout a lot of your tunes is the way the guitar sounds and the kind of the way those parts are written. What other things do you feel are kind of constants throughout all your songs that kind of tie them together and link them? Yeah, yeah. So the guitar sounds, uh, particularly with the live show, it's all very driven and very crunchy like distorted and we just like that like really rich heavy sound that's kind of then matched with the like the pop melodies you know what I mean the, like the, the hooky the melodies and stuff and like we do these things called gang vocals a lot which is when you've got you know all of you singers one kind of creates quite an epic kind of vibe on the song so that's definitely something that we do but we don't really, you don't really think about it. Like when you're writing a, a new tune, you don't really think, oh, I better, I better, uh, do you know what I mean? We, we, we better stay in, stay in the lane of this. It does, it's kind of, it's really nice and refreshing to sometimes do something completely different, do you know what I mean? So, yeah. So they're not too important to you that they all kind of sonically are linked? Is that something you're not too fussed about? No, exactly. I mean, I do think our, some of our songs are sonically linked for sure, but like you said, things like Ceasefire uh, uh, kind of stand, stand out as being different to the rest. Uh, songs like Emotional and Dead Young are far grittier, very guitar-driven songs. And then you've got songs like Nana's House, Even Hell, Looking At You, where it's kind of, I don't know, it's just, maybe it's more about the vocal and like it's just not quite as in your face. So, yeah. And in terms of spreading your music in 2019, what have you kind of found is the most effective way to get your music out there and get it into people's hands and get people listening to it? Sorry, what was that? What's like the most effective way that you found of getting people to listen to your music? Like in 2019, it's quite a changed landscape. Oh man. Easiest way, I mean... I mean, it's so tough now. So many people nowadays are just onto the next thing so quickly. Like, there's so much music being made that, you know, it's just it's so easy to just kind of forget about people so you've got to be you've got to like kind of keep everyone's attention and I think for us it's been like we've ne we've not really had any major Spotify support and we've still you know, managed to sell out tours so for us when it comes to like putting people put, uh, put, sorry getting our music out to people it's kind of from the live perspective uh, I, I'm not saying that's the way to do it but it's worked for us and that's definitely um, kind of how we've grown as a band is predominantly from slogging it on the road and you know supporting bigger artists and playing our own shows you know like this evening so yeah what you're saying there about how the way people are interpreting music is changing they, they want the next thing soon yeah so. does that kind of affect your mindset and the way that you write are you thinking about that all there? i don't not necessarily like exactly with the way you write but it's you're definitely conscious of the fact you want to write a song that's going to be oh, the trouble is right when you so there's a lot of times when i write a you know, write a song and you don't think it's very good and then you and then like for a prime example so we've got a brand new song that we're playing this evening that I wasn't that excited about and I wrote the melody to it and I played it to the boys and they were they loved it and they and I was a bit like oh I didn't really wasn't really feeling it that much and then 
it's grown on me with them, do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I don't think you're necessarily thinking about people not, not liking it, uh, but I don't know, it, it's just so difficult, man, because there's so many people out there doing it. You've got to try and entice people with great music, so... But it's always opinion, isn't it? It's somebody's opinion, you know? I'm sure me and you have got songs that you love that I won't like, like, just the way it is, man. You just got to hope that people get on board with it. Winning people over is the hardest thing, man. When you're starting out, get, once you've got those, those fans that, you know, uh, come into the shows, they tend to be pretty open-minded with what you release, and they're pretty open for, like, a change in the sound and things, so, yeah. It's also like once you put them in, yeah. it's easier to like introduce new stuff. Exactly, yeah. What would you say is your proudest moment over the last few years? So we played Dingles in February, which was amazing, sold that out. So that was a, 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 a moment for us, definitely, playing to that many people in London. Uh, and then this summer we played Truck Festival, played to like 2,000 people, like our biggest ever festival slot, and it was ridiculous. Like just makes you fall more in love with what you you know what you what you're doing and you do that and you kind of aspire to kind of do something a bit bigger the following year you know so we've got our big massive headline show at Scala in October November sorry should know that uh, so you know I'm sure that will be our proudest moment yeah and then you just can, you just want to just hope that you continue to grow and, and uh, do bigger and better shows you know Thank you very much. Cheers for your... No worries, mate. Cheers. Nice one, man. Good questions. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.